everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Survivor Talks. On this week's episode, I am joined by guest Kenneth to discuss what contributes to locker room talk and how this is related to sexual violence and our job to continue to dismantle rape culture. Like always, each episode contains a trigger warning due to the recounting of survivors' experiences, mental health, rape culture, and so much more. If at any point you need to take a break or stop listening altogether, please do so. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. I'm Kenneth, and I'm so happy to be sharing my thoughts on this podcast. Thank you, Kenneth, for being here today. Today, Kenneth and I are here today to speak about locker room talk, which is constantly circulating in spaces more so in high school and the sports industry. This was a topic that started to garner more attention in 2016 when a recording of Donald Trump from 2005 went viral about his inappropriate sexual comments towards women. Kenneth, can you tell us what locker room talk actually means and how it relates to sexual violence? So how I interpret the term locker room talk is how some men speak about women and in general, people assign female at birth behind their backs or in environments where misogyny would not be necessarily called out. I would categorize locker room talk under the umbrella term of rape culture because it does further sexist narratives that then enable acts of sexual violence and violence against misogyny affected people to occur. Yeah, and how exactly does locker room talk impact the patriarchy and masculinity, even femininity? Is locker room talk just restricted to men or do you believe gender has no role? Locker room talk does put people into boxes and upholds the traditional gender roles and sexism that have been extremely prevalent in the past. And obviously many people are still outrightly misogynistic and sexist to this day. And this still shows up in, com- in casual co- interactions, like those in places like the locker room, for example. Um, I think a lot of men do perpetuate this narrative because of their position in the patriarchy and obviously taking into account the fact that privileges of different marginalized communities intersect. Like for example, cisgender and heterosexual men do hold tremendous power and privilege in this system But even misogyny affected people can also internalize these own messages, even if they're harming themselves. I think gender definitely plays a role, but does not necessarily limit an individual's mindset or subconscious biases. Yeah, totally. Um, You're talking about how sexism and misogyny were very connected with the locker room talk and the locker room environment. Um, What are some sexist and misogynist things that you've heard from, from people who have engaged in this kind of locker room talk behavior? I think it's just comments kind of like, I don't know, the classic, you throw like a girl and talking to women in a degrading way, talking about their body parts in a degrading way, um, using vocabulary that not, is not necessarily inclusive and kind of implies a superiority for men and people who have privilege in the gender equity system. I think it's just the casual comments that have connotations of sexism that are the ones that continue to further this agenda because if it's too blatant, obviously people don't wanna be called out for it. So I think it's just in casual discussions, the little little catchphrases and the little, the little, like how people word their sentences, I think is what makes the most impact. 
Yeah, definitely. And in regards to like locker room talk, we always hear of a lot of inappropriate sexual comments that happens in these locker room environments. And, you know, it's obviously more than just inside locker rooms, it's outside of the environment of sports culture. But do you believe that locker room talk is reserved strictly to sports culture? Or do these inappropriate comments and dialogues also find its place in classroom settings and households, smaller men friendship groups, and so on? I think the label locker room talk does not have to be taken literally, um, as it includes misogynistic talk in all areas of society. Like, for example, I'm currently in high school and I hear many of my classmates who have all happened to be men that I think of make sexist comments towards women and joke about even topics like sexual assault sometimes, which is absolute disgusting. So although context is significant, I think this is a systemic issue that is embedded in a lot of people's ways of thinking. And it's also the institutions and the environments that people are socialized in that allow these things to be, like they allow men to get away with this without any consequences or repercussions. And I think even for myself, I'm trying to unlearn my internalized misogyny as I continue to educate myself on issues relating to sexism and sexual violence. So I think we should all be on that journey to analyze our own consciousness but especially if you have privilege. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're speaking about internalized misogyny. I'm in the same path as you, how we need to work towards analyzing our own behavior and how our own comments and can impact a lot of people. Um, I know when I was in high school um, during PE, when we would go back to change and stuff, I would hear a lot of girls um, who would make those comments about, you know, women who are asking for because of the way they're dressed or if they're, you know, they're showing too much cleavage, too much legs, too much arms, if their hair was up styled a different way, if they wore too much makeup, it all led to this analyzation that they were asking to be like sexually assaulted or raped. Um, and like you said, these conversations don't just play, take place in locker rooms. It's obviously more than that it happens in classroom settings and households, it all stems from the patriarchy. Um, I feel like, especially when it comes to like male friendship groups, um, that's where it kind of ignites a bit more. But in households, how do parents contribute to locker room talk, which then leads to their children learning about sexist, misogynistic and inappropriate sexual comments? Um, how can we dismantle this as a society for better education and healthier conversations, especially surrounding masculinity? The first thing I thought of when you asked about family is I think the generational difference between parents and children or just elders in a, in a community, in a cultural community. I think many family members have disagreements on topics like these because of the differences in how they were raised and especially in Western society, there I think there's a more of a push for progressive values, which is probably a new concept for a lot of parents and particularly immigrant parents or parents of color. Personal example is that in Asian culture, mental health is a very taboo subject. And as I've grown up, I've realized that I don't think elders intentionally try to invalidate emotional issues, but it's just that they never had the opportunity when they were growing up to talk about it which just began a, a, a cycle of a lack of discussion and communication and openness as generations pass. I think this is very similar to the dialogue around many social issues, 
like feminism, gender roles, because a lot of us subconsciously were taught as kids that for like men shouldn't show their feelings because they need to be strong. Men and women have different roles in the household, different expectations and standards for each of us. And although more progress with social issues is made, in my opinion, with each generation, many concepts like gender equity are foreign to older generations. And I think one of the first steps is dismantling personal biases and encouraging people around you and family members to do the same through respectful conversations that may be uncomfortable, but will provide them with some valuable insight. I think this is a bit different than in high school or with peers in the same generation. Because when you talk, for example, I relate to the PE change room situation. I, I have heard stories like that from just my peers and other people in the community. <clears throat> and I think when it comes to women or young girls talking and perpetuating misogyny, I think it does stem from insecurities and the fact that they were taught to suppress certain traits or stop taking up room, make themselves smaller in order to get validation from society and from men. Because I think as kids, it is so embedded in us and we've grown up with the media and, you know, magazines on body shaming and just so many sexist messages just being pushed at us from all aspects of society. So I think in different contexts, it does show up in different ways. I think the underlying message is that sometimes we aren't even aware of what we're saying and how harmful it can be. Yeah, um, just leading back to how the generational differences with our parents and our grandparents and so on and so forth, they grew up in a different time, obviously, than us. They had that lack of education and, you know, it kind of circulates back into our lifestyle quite a bit because we grew up to um to learn that you know we should be dressed a certain way we have to be respectful we can't go alone or we can't go out after this time and we need to conform to, like to our gender roles and just back to like that pe locker room culture thing um and even just like in our in our in my household specifically when i come from a south asian family and Feel like a lot of brown families they really make more sexist and misogynist comments however it's i've heard more like i've had i've heard some pretty ruthless things i've heard about men um taking pictures of you know girls butts and sending in a group chat and you know when you call them out on it it's like oh it's not a group business like it's it's a boy thing but it's like this isn't just this is not okay and it's really disgusting and sick to learn that there are people out there who don't really understand that you know when we talk about consent it's not just restricted to a yes or no consent is more than just that it's also not taking pictures of girls wearing tight pants and thinking that they want it it's not a it's about you know not sending though that same image you talk in a group chat where this person who's but you took a picture of is in someone's group chat and she, they don't even know about it. It's about, you know, if you want a hug and a kiss, you're supposed to ask for it as well and not just automatically assume that someone wants to get a, give, get a hug and kiss right away. 
And these these normalizations in our society and in our community continue to grow and grow. But it's like, even when you call someone out with my own experiences, they start to laugh and they'll degrade me. And it's like, I can take it, but it's like, who else can take it, right? And I think there's a certain point and limit where it's like, how much more am I able to do to actually educate people on locker room talk, on misogyny, on, on sexism, on the patriarchy, on sexual violence, whatever it is. And, you know, because it gets to the point where you kind of just, your mental health starts to take a toll. And locker room talk is basically like equivalent to boys will be boys, right? Um, because when you call them out or if someone says something and you tell them that, you know, it's not boys will be boys, this is how we have to call them out on their, on their comments, on the inappropriate comments. But how do we start holding men accountable for their actions, their behavior, comments, if these things aren't learned at home and are learned through like their peers instead? For sure. I think, as I said before, people just don't understand why boys would be boys is not an excuse that they can use. And I actually don't have a solid and definite answer for this question because it is a very broad question, but I think it all starts with proper education. It's such a powerful tool to shift people's way of thinking and to allow them to hopefully empathize with others and recognize how they can use their power to make a difference. I also say this because I'm in high school and school takes up a huge fraction of the day. So the way you're socializing with people your age and peers and, and teachers and adults, and the way you're speaking in the classroom is so significant. I think this is also a huge reason why I'm actually considering pursuing a job in education in my future because I do want to do my part to make school a safe and respectful place for people of all identities. So I think if we were exposed to more, people call it taboo, but I don't think social justice topics should be taboo because I think making marginalized communities, people of marginalized communities feel included and safe and respected in such a wide, such a wide environment like school is so, so important. And I think if we learned these things in environments like school when we were younger, it would have just come more naturally, especially to men. Yeah, um, first of all, good job for you for wanting to pursue a career in education. I think that's very, very important. Um, and just leaning back, I think a lot of the time we don't even realize even for men that they, the ones who talk about like hurting women um, sexually have like a sense that their own masculinity is just so fragile and we've heard like we've seen in the media with Donald Trump he's said quote-unquote grab him by the pussy and we don't they don't even realize that they boast about hurting women and they just see a woman as you know like toys and not as really fully independent human beings they're just here for like male pleasure and stuff um and it gets further normalized in sports culture, especially when we see a lot of men lately who are coming forward about their experiences with a coach or with a videographer or whatever. And, you know, a lot of their teammates knew about it, but they didn't say anything. It's like, for what reason you need to speak out? And a part of dismantling rape culture, a part of getting rid of this locker room talk is by what you said earlier, it's by calling out your peers on their inappropriate comments. It's by educating people 
on sexual violence prevention and how to support people who have been affected by sexual violence, whether it's, you know, it's dismantling locker room talk or making bystander intervention, which is super important and just making sure that we're creating a culture of consent in the society. But yeah, I think that we've pretty much summed up everything. So thank you, Kenneth, for being here today on this episode. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening.